Before we launch into an episode of Innovation Bites with a very special guest, I want to thank our sponsor Zai, boldly transforming the future of financial services with a suite of embedded products and services, enabling businesses to manage multiple payment workflows and move funds with ease. You can find Zai at hellozai.com. This is going to be really difficult because our guest today is one of the world's leading experts in leadership. He's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. I love his stories. I love in particular his stories about how to tell stories and how to tell stories to change other people's mind. He's with us today to discuss an article he's written. And this is this is me buying time as I get time to read his other books because he's a prolific author. He's just written a book called Leading Wisely with Wiley just been released as well. That's on my to do list. It's coming your way in the new year, hopefully if he doesn't go and write another book in the meantime. But this is a beautiful article that I thought we'd share on Innovation Bites. Seven steps to change a person's mind, but it's got a much better title than that. Over to you, our guest today, Manfred Ketz de Vries. I'm kind of surprised that people haven't heard of um, Sherazada. After all, she is the major heroine of literature. I mean, uh, I thought everybody knows about Aladdin and Simbad the Sailor and things like that, but she told many other stories. And of course, the basis of it is that she had to use cliffhangers because uh, she was married to a sultan who had some bad experiences with his previous wives. He had quite a few wives, actually. And um, the, he, he caught her in a situation of unfaithfulness and in a rather dramatic way, he beheaded everybody around at the time. And then he decided that you can trust women. Um, quite a few men, as a psychoanalyst, I've discovered that many men have this particular orientation. To <laughs> well, don't laugh. I mean, women, you know, phallic women, spider women, witches, all those kinds of things. So he decided to be sure he would spend one night with a new wife and then he would be Heather. So no, no possibility for uh, adultery. And of course, that, that took quite some toll on the country. Um, people left the country because they didn't want their daughters being beheaded. And eventually, there were very few women left. There were two women left, actually, according to some of the tales. One was Sheherazada and one was her sister. So she volunteered against uh, the wishes of her father, of course, to be a candidate for this particular... Uh, but she was a good storyteller. And so what she did was she would tell stories. And uh, when the dawn came, there was a cliffhanger. The story wasn't finished. So the, the sultan was so curious. He said, OK, you can live another other day. And went on and on and on till supposedly thousand and one nights, which means many nights. And the interesting thing about the stories was that he would weave in fairly subtly stories about women who overcome Apart from Simba the Sailor and those the stories you know and Disney has made very popular, other stories about how women overcome overcame women, of course, were in that respect in those days second-class citizens. Uh, still, in many countries, they still said second-class citizens. Think about the Taliban, and she wove in how they became heroines in the story. So slowly, she convinced the the Sultan that women uh, not necessarily would behave like his first wife. And actually, uh, I always I felt what was interesting about it that uh, you know she managed to uh, change a mass murderer into a normal human being. Now, in psychology, of course, uh, one of the things is how to change people. And and the article is a short article. I, I think it was eventually a number of steps, but it really comes down to that when you deal with a person uh, and you try to change him or her. Don't go 
immediately against the defenses because that raises their hackles. So you, ha you have to listen them to, to them very carefully. And, and don't say you are an idiot. You know, that's not a good way. That's not the way to go anywhere. But basically, not, your, not, not like you are you're nodding now and say you, you have a real, you have really a very good point and things like that. You have to really, what you have to do is to do psychological judo. You have to, uh, you know, you, you have to, you know, basically roll with the defenses. At the same time, it is the art, and that's what Shiryasada did, to create some doubt about the particular strategy the person is following and try to insert very subtly, if he or she continues that way, the consequence is going to be catastrophic. So eventually the person might get it. But he or she has to get it. You have to tell you have to do this, this, this. So basically you encourage their sense of self-efficacy to do something about it. So eventually, and also you can the language becomes a kind of change language. It's, you know, it's becoming, the language is like that, I should do that, not that you should do that, I should do that. And eventually, you encourage the person to explore other ways of going about it. And eventually, like what Sherazada succeeded, she lived, they lived happily ever after. So that's, that. so the face simplistically, the Sherazada method is really, the main thing is, roll with the defenses, don't go straight against it. And I sometimes say, strike when the iron is cold. Not strike when the iron is hot, because when it's too hot, people don't hear it. So you have to listen. It also means listening very carefully, because most people don't listen very well. They're busily formulating an answer. And so they forget what was being said. You see that uh, as an element what actually what psychiatrists do is what's called active listening. And that's always to me surprising when I look at the television program in France that nobody listens. They all talk, they have their, their parallel conversations. But you might also find that in Irish pub. You might also have some, some parallel conversation, I'm sure. It's not just the French who are um, victims. It's a kind of conversational, superficial kind of listening. And that's what you have to do. And also listening to what's not being said. That's also quite important. When you say, my God, I don't understand it, there must be a reason you don't understand it. At the same time, I've, I pay a lot of attention to the feelings. When I, I run a CEO class every year and, and people present certain issues, and of course they want to solve problems. That's that's, the, that's their job. So I say, no, 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 don't solve the problem yet. How did you feel listening to the story? Did you get angry? Did you feel happy? You know, this basic mad, bad, sad, and glad. Were you bored? Were you looking out the window? You would get to get out of there. You would get sent to claustrophobia because there's other part, point of information. So really this active listening, using yourself as an instrument, as I call it. I'm going to start telling my wife some stories at nighttime now. <laughs> I, I, I'm trying to figure out how long a thousand and one nights will take. But uh, I, a couple of things that I loved. So one is the show is about change makers, heads of innovation, CEOs trying to change organizations. You're... Uh, you're essentially a CEO whisperer, you coach CEOs all the time, you've written a book called The CEO Whisperer. And oftentimes, they are convinced. So they know that change is required in their organizations, the business models failing, whatever. But it's the mental model, it's the mental model in the people in the organization who are often, as you said, the iron is hot, they're fearful, and you're trying to change their their minds. How could a CEO or a change maker listening to this take some lessons from Shahrazad and use it to try and change organizational models, mental models, and therefore business models? Big question. It'll take us a thousand and one nights to answer, but in, in a thousand and one seconds. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, I can't really answer it straight, straight away because it depends on the personality. 
I once wrote a little book which called Do You Meet a Tall Dark Stranger? And I tried to describe a number of different personality types. Certain personality types are relatively easy, and some are it's very hard work. I mean, that you really have to. Uh, and sometimes I get uh, quite impatient, I must say. I mean, I'm, in that respect, I'm a terrible uh, a coach. I, um, at times, you know, you, 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 it's so obvious what needs to be done. I mean, people come to me and say, I have no life. No, they're in charge of the company. They're the major shareholder. They can and they have some control over the life as opposed to peons down, down the line. So I could shake them and say, listen, make a life, do something about it. You know, trust people, delegate a little bit. You know, you said you don't trust anybody. You have an incompetent executive team. Why do you spend your time on those on this wasteful things? Do something about it. Spend your time where you really add value. Of course, uh, I, and I do. I must admit, at times I say that also when I have a certain rapport. I can say I can say to them, "You're an idiot." You know, there you say you have no life, and there you are. You can do whatever you want to do, but you're an idiot because you you don't hire competent people. That's what you do. As smart people hire people that's better than themselves. But you have to do it rather, you have to do it rather subtly. And depending on the personality, I mean, the typical personalities you find in organizations are usually the more narcissistic types. I mean, we all are narcissistic, but it's a question of degree. And of course, the, I have written quite a bit on narcissism. And there's this famous word in the in the Greek language, hubris. And many of them, you know, uh, you know like uh, Icarus and Daedalus, you know, fall flat on their face in the end. I would say when you, the moment you become the best businessman of the year, I start looking at them because bad things might happen. Then you have, of course, also the, some people is the bipolar types, which you don't notice because you only see the high when they're high. But there are quite a few quote unquote manic depressive executives who go up, up and downs, and and they they are very exciting, but if they're uh, they can be very destructive also for the organization. And then you have more the, the bread and butter of many organizational organization men and women is the more compulsive personality, the OCD type of personality. And that's actually the bread and butter of psychotherapists because you can, you can spend a lot of time with them. And it's a very glacial change very often. That's the reason I have become quite an advocate of uh, group intervention. And uh, I've been... Uh, I've been quite, uh, in, uh, quite, quite, quite involved in that. Uh, I, this, the, the group seminar is it's very often uh, because of the, uh, the pressure of the group, there is a greater possibility that people, and also you know, get, the people are, are basically pushed to do something about it, you know, to do something about it. Because they can't escape. It's like a laboratory. I mean, the work is not necessarily taking place in the classroom, but Outside the classroom, there is their peers. I, I give you an example I've, I've used a few times, which I think is a nice example. I had a woman who was the chairperson of the board. And in class, she, as the chairperson of the board, she has a tendency to talk a lot. You know, people listen to her. Now, I am in class, I have 21 individuals in class, 21. And they can't all talk at the same time. They have to learn how to listen, which is not used to anymore because of their role. They are the senior. And so when she would open her mouth, I said, my God, there we go again. But I had to be fair. She had a hand in the air, so let her talk. And she talked too long. I would say to myself, shut up, please shut up. I couldn't say that. Tempted to say that, I didn't say it, I kept my mouth shut. So the next module, it was two and a half months later, there she was again. And not a peep, complete silence. So I went to her and said, uh, after class, I said, what happened? What's going on? 
She said, you know, my colleagues last time told me I talk too much. Maybe I should learn how to listen. And I practice it in the two and a half months in between. So in this case, the narcissist cured the narcissist. I didn't do anything. I just kept my mouth shut and let it be. So, and but, but they pushed. Because I had recently also another executive, same, a similar thing. He had to make some as a family controlled firm and he had to make some very tough decisions. And uh, he had been coached for a long time, not by me, by somebody else. So the person in desperation sent him to my class. And again, I didn't do anything, but the class did it. He finally fired a number of very incompetent people, which he had to do because he was carrying them. He had no life. One of those people has no life. And so he realized that if he wants to have a life, he has to do certain things. But he was, you know, it was, I couldn't do it. It was painful, et cetera, et cetera. But he couldn't escape because of this kind of artificial transitional space laboratory that I've created in class and outside class because they have lunch together, dinner together, they walk in the forest together. And so they have discussions about the meaning of life. And of course, what you have is, uh, coming back to Sheherazada, storytelling does something to your brain. There's something called mirror neurons. So every story people tell, it, it reverberates, because you're so self-centered, reverberates in your brain. He said, my God, I had some similar experience. You you will think about yourself first. And then you have this tendency, and many people have that, of the altruistic motives that, listen, when I was in a situation like this, this, I should tell this person. And so that, that's kind of, this kind of mirroring, the mirror neurons have this effect. So it has, every story is not just good for the storyteller. I mean, I mean I'm mean, i a psychoanalyst in my other life. And of course, it's a question of, you know, the, the kind of, hopefully, so the narrative, you uh, you get some clarity about your issues. But every story also affects the audience. It's it's a, it's a, it's an interactive process, and so and, and so as a, as a result, it has an and when when a number of people say what I usually do, uh, you know, I uh, ask people questions how they respond to the story. But if I always say when one person tells you have ears like a donkey, ignore it. But if ten people tell you so, get yourself a saddle. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Get yourself a saddle. If people start to repeat the same message to the person, say, "Listen, idiot, you. Why do you do this? Why don't you have? Why don't you? De- why don't you do something about your life?" So, what what the group setting? And I'm one of the pioneers of a, a group coaching. I mean, at my school, I mean, this has been now inundated everywhere, and every program of group coaching, it creates tipping points. You know, really tipping points. Something happens. I, I can stand programs where it's a band-aid and people have a temporary hooray experience and then they go back to normal. Now they have to do something. Now there's a waste of money, time, whatever. I loved the fact that you used a story to tell the power of storytelling and the power of language and the power of words to change people. And there's so much lessons in it. I'm going to share a link to that for those people who are interested in that. Manfred writes prolifically books articles like this on a regular basis. And I highly recommend following him on LinkedIn as well, where you can find most of those articles. Manfred Ketzefries, thank you, as always, for joining us on The Innovation Show. Nice one, man. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. As always, thank you to Zai, boldly transforming the future of financial services with a suite of embedded products and services, enabling businesses to manage multiple payment workflows and move funds with ease. You can find Zai at hellozai.com. See you very soon.